Good morning and welcome to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs and we are sitting at October the 23rd. Pretty heavy snow dump. Could almost call it Snowtober. A um, few broken branches. I know uh, Mark was uh, getting some calls yesterday. We were down in Kentucky. Just came back from a hardscape arborist show that was down there. So we were uh, down there checking out new equipment and and different courses and different uh, methods to hopefully bring some efficiencies into our company up here. So we had a good few days down there and uh, we got back yesterday to the snow and Mark's phone was kind of going off the hook a bit, a few emails from people with some broken branches, etc. So if you, if you do have a chance and you haven't gone out and shaken your trees off a bit, just be careful. Don't go too hard. Just if you can nudge them or if you have a, a long pole um, knocking a bit of the snow off. This was a really, a really quite heavy snow. This is almost like a spring snow. It's uh, so heavy. It's lots of moisture in it. But this is perfect for that snow farming that we've talked about in the past. Pile the snow underneath your spruce trees where they don't get the snow. It just goes on the outside. So pile all this excess snow underneath there your trees and spruce trees especially will um, appreciate that uh, little extra effort and uh, and get that done for them and give them a little bit of uh, moisture that's um, long needed and there's a lot of moisture in the snow as i said it's really really quite heavy it's a nice snow it's nice for to slowly melt next week it's going to warm up a bit so it'll slowly melt nicely into the ground so if you'd like to join me phone lines are wide open 403-974-8255 that is the talk and text line so ready to take your calls or text if you like you can give me all right and if you'd like to uh like i said just chat let me know what's up we do have a caller on the line we have carol on the line good morning carol good morning um, hey how can we help you well, I called a few weeks ago, and you gave me a great um, information about how to overwinter my canna lilies. Yeah. But I've, got, but I've got one big, big one that I never got to, so, of course, it's covered with snow. As so is this is perfect. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, actually, I was going to cover that today because, actually, Carol, I, I really think it is the – to get a, good, a little bit of a hard frost is really good for them just to get that over with. Oh. Let the foliage die back like that. Um, so a little bit of hard frost. Let them die back. Pull them out of the ground. So you can even let it melt. It's not going to get really, really cold the next few days. You can right. let the snow melt and then pull them out of the ground. Um, shake a bunch of the soil off. Let them dry off for you f for a few days. And uh, let them get nice and dry. And then you can store them in that cool dark place we probably chatted about you, in like did. a cooler or a, or a paper bag with this some really really dry peat moss or cocoa moss and uh, just store them in a cool dark place and uh, until next early spring till march or april you want to bring them out and pot them up again great when i did when i did the first two i was astounded at how long the roots were can they be cut a little bit so I can get um, more of those corms it's or rhizomes to leave it. in the box? Yeah, if, you, if they're really long, yeah. Or you can just bend them around 
and see how they, oh. they might break a bit on you. But they should, okay. as they get, let them dry out a bit more, then they'll become a little bit more pliable and they'll bend right. or you can lay them flat or whatever. Um, because the more that's there, the more it has to dry out a bit over the winter. So if you take too much, and that, that way if you need to clean it up a bit in the spring, you can remove any of the stuff that's really dehydrated or dried right out. So I always I always like to leave as much as possible on there, and then you can split them up a bit in the spring as well. Okay, just one last question. I also sure. have a trailing begonia. Are they treated in the same way? Um, depends. I don't depend. If you have a bulb one, yes. Um, there's so many. A lot of the begonias nowadays are done by seed. They're not done by no, bulbs. No, this one I bought as a. This one I bought as a bulb from your yeah, store. Yeah, absolutely. Same thing. So you can pull okay. that out. Yeah. And, and uh, let and it dry out. Um, no, those ones, well, you'll tell because they're pretty, they look like almost like a big tea bag, right? Like when okay, they're full. Okay, so they stay the same. Yeah, they might split off and you, you'll be able to tell if it sends out another tuber. Um, when okay. you put, when you break apart the roots, when you when you let it dry out, but those I would definitely just cover with a little bit of. And in your other ones, you could do it too. Um, get some of that copper spray, the copper powder, the Bordeaux, and then just shake a little bit. Put in a little bit in a plastic bag, and just sort of do like shake and bake, and just just cover them up with that, so that way they uh, just get a little bit of protection because they can. They have a lot more. They're kind of like a hairy. And they, they can get um, root rot a lot easier. So this ensure that they get nice and dry. All right. Thank all right. you so much. Appreciate all your help. Yeah, no, good luck. And then next spring, again, don't forget, just feed them with that 15-30-15 first thing. And uh, you should be off to the races. I used to love, we used to plant um, a ton of begonias. Like, they're just so hard. That we don't get them. Because we no one we don't have the room to grow anymore like the amount of stuff that we used to do, um, so we used to grow a lot of our own. But they just don't transport very well the bulb ones because you you know what they're like like they get big and they become very floppy, so mm -hmm. they're really hard to transport. Um, so I'm gonna try, I'd like to figure out a way to grow some of those again in in a, in an area that we have, so we well, can have them sure to beautiful. sell. Yeah, yeah, they're awesome. Ones. You get really beautiful colors and nice thick yeah. stalks from them. Love those. They were so all right. thick that some of them broke off, but nevertheless, <laughs> um, appreciate all your help once again. Awesome. Thanks, right. Carol. Take care. Bye. Bye bye. Yeah, that um, it, it it is kind of neat when you when doing some of the bulbs and and sometimes we do forget um, that we did plant those in the spring and uh into pots or into the ground and some of them you can leave in the ground like your daffodils your tulips and all that you just leave in the ground year round and they just come back and up again every year but then we have the summer ones a lot of the spring bulbs like dahlias and those calla lilies and canna lilies and different ones like that that you need to uh pull out of the ground and uh and and fix them up a bit Guinness get a few calls, and I already got here. Got Brian just sent me a couple of pictures. Good morning. Will these columnar aspens recover back to normal when the snow melts off? They will, Brian. But I would definitely try to knock some of the snow off if you can, and they'll come back up. But that you might need to get some tree tie, 
and uh, just help them tie them back up. Because if, if they stay hanging too long, their tissue will get stretched out and it'll be a lot harder for them to come back. So um, if you get some of that foam tree tie or we have the tree tie stuff at the store, I would uh, look at, shake them off, see what they do in the next day or so. If they're not popping back up, I would definitely assist them and, and tie them back a bit just to help them uh, regain that. And then they their structure will be able to come back. Because I had, I had a columnar acid blow over this spring as well, and I staked it right back up. And within a couple months after that uh, heavy wind we had when it was raining, I was able to pull them back up. And they secured themselves right back in the ground, nice and firm. So um, they will, they will do that. So, but this heavy snow with the leaves still on, it, it's hard on, like I said, some of those columnar aspens, especially if you've had lots of growth, and uh, which it looks like you did there, Brian. So I would just, uh, like I said, give them a shake, clean them up a bit, and uh, and go from there. Oh, we're gonna see a bit of this too. And unfortunately, bought this beautiful Tinkerbell lilac at Spruce It Up. And that baby's long for three years. It was beautiful. The snow broke three of the branches. If I tape them, will it grow back? Those ones, you could try if you can get them nice and firm. Um, we do have, um, I would get a product called Lac Balsam. So pull them up as quick as you can. Get them up into it. And then I would use, um, I would put the lac balsam around them and then I'd wrap tape around that just to hold them. I also used, um, like once you pull them up and you put the lac balsam around it and that's a bark replacement. I've also used zip ties, but you just got to make sure you don't leave them on. I did that with my lemon tree. I zip tied the branches and then I just put lac balsam all around it to help seal it. And it worked awesome on my lemon tree. So if you if you were to do that today, I would do it. But also right below where you have those rips, you have that one, there's sort of a knobby branch sticking out. I would cut those off as well. You can see it's dying back, and that will get disease into your tree. So yeah, unfortunately, you got three big tears there. So if you get that looked after right away, zip ties, um, lac balsam, and and you should be okay. Um, but give that a shot and see how that goes. I'm going to take a quick break. If you want to join me after the break, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs, and Let's Talk Gardening is brought to you by Spruce It Up Calories Year-Round Full Service Garden Center. Spruce it up, green it up, prune it up. We got you covered. And I do have Terry on the line. Good morning, Terry. And Terry, morning, Terry's down at uh, Spruce it up, and uh, a little bit of snow again overnight. <laughs> not not a not a ton piling up, but how how is High River? Uh, it's snowy for sure. Yeah, we got a good yeah. dump there. So yeah, it's um, okay. we knew it was coming. Oh yeah, I know. And this it, it's good, but I wish some of the leaves had gone off a bit more um before we had this kind of heavy wet snow. Cause there is quite a few torn branches and and I've already had a few texts in that um showing that and 
will help them hopefully get those fixed up. And uh, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's it, it's great. It's well needed though the moisture, especially this heavy, heavy snow. It's great for doing that snow farming, piling that yeah. snow underneath your evergreens and stuff like that. So yeah, for sure it is. Um, and I've been out the last few weeks trying to uh, madly get some things in the ground still, and um, really like I, even just in areas that you know I garden regularly are uh, super super dry. Um, yeah. trying to get some bulbs in the ground and even on like six, eight inches down, um, it's just like powder. So this will be, um, this will be well received and will probably help a lot of things through that did not get watered like they should have. So, yeah. And that's one thing I'd like to talk to a little bit later. We'll, we'll chat about, it's actually, this is great for doing bulbs because this moisture will get into the ground, but still not cold enough for the ground to be frozen. So. Um, we'll cover that in a bit. Right now, we're just going to go to the phone line. We're going to go to Kendra. Good morning, Kendra. Hi, Good Kendra. Morning. Hi, Hi. So I have a question about my trees, and it's similar to what previous caller Brian was talking about. So I've planted, so over the summer, I planted a bunch of new trees, my little baby trees, and this heavy snow has them completely bent over. So I did knock the snow off of them, um, mm-hmm. but they're still completely bent, like they're touching their toes. Okay. Should I should I stake them? Um, yeah, I would let, let it see what it does here when it warms up, and just try and just shake off you know, if you got everything off as much as possible. But yeah, if they're small and they got bent over, their tissue probably got stretched out a bit, so mm-hmm. you might need to stake them up. And uh, and just help them get stabilized, bring the tissue back up into them, and uh, and hold them steady. If they're really long, what what type of trees are they? Okay, so uh, one is um, a Honeycrisp apple. Two are aspens. Um, two are columnar birches, and two are pinnacle birches. Okay. And they're all brand okay. new. Okay, so if if they're all like the birches, I wouldn't do any pruning, but the aspens and the and the apples, it's actually a good time to maybe thin them out a bit too and maybe just shorten, take a bit, 25% off each of the branches just to shorten them up. And then that, that'll really help thicken them up next spring. Okay. And if they're – are they are they smaller like than your pinky, most of the branches, like near the ends? Yeah, yeah. Okay, then absolutely. Just go down to a node that's pointing outwards, and when you cut them, you can just, just trim off the – like I said, six, eight inches or depending on how long the branch are, about 25% of each one. And then that will help with the floppiness too. It'll help okay. thicken them up. And then next spring, you'll get a whole bunch of new growth and they'll thicken right up for you. Okay, and, and that's it's, just for the aspens, right? And the apple. The oh, birch, the apple. I wouldn't do. Yeah, I probably wouldn't do the birch because um, they're probably a lot shorter branches, I'm assuming. Yes, yeah. Yeah, so those should be able to a good shake off and they should pop back up for you. Okay. Um, All right. So just be careful, like with the birch, again, just keeping them clean. They love the Rage Plus, um, and just helping with that uh, uh, birch leaf miner. So just make sure you're feeding those with the with the Rage Plus and even, lots of water even now? for the birch. No, next spring I would just okay. do it. It won't really do much right now. Okay. I would just uh, I would do it next spring, and uh, and then hit them with that. Okay. And um, right. I also want to thank you. Um, in the spring, I you gave me the um, the 
what is it, the cubic yard of soil yeah, from the big Eagle Lake. Bags. Yeah. It was awesome. I mean, the the soil was so great, and my plants grew amazing with it. So thank you again for that. You're very welcome. You know, it's great stuff, and that's what I always like to say. That's kind of our our first sign for spring is it's sort of like the tulips. Yeah. You start seeing the big yellow bags pop all over. And they do a great job there at Eagle Lake Landscape Supply. So we're great. Uh, we're thankful to have them on as a, as a sponsor in that and uh, and a good supplier of a lot of that good uh, um, soil to our mm-hmm. Calgary area. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. All right. Take care. Um, and so, Terry, what any thoughts like – how did the tree lot look out there? Did you take a quick boo through there? It's probably, I know they did. I know Val and I'm probably outside there yesterday, giving everything a good shaking off and probably yeah, had a few a quick, trees bending over. Yeah, I had a quick look. Most of our um, most of our potted stuff uh, had lost a lot of its leaves already, so we were in pretty good shape. Uh, a few things required a bit of a shake, but uh, no, I think uh, for the most part, um, just so long as you're, when you go out there, don't, be too aggressive with shaking that off just very gently a little bit at a time might have to yep. do it a couple couple, couple couple times during the day um and just help it along but uh i had a few um quite large lilacs like probably 10 to 15 foot lilacs in my own yard that i had to do the same thing for but um they've been in that they've been in that shape before so uh just um slow and sure uh just don't be too aggressive would be my advice absolutely all right, I think I got time for one more quick call before the break. I'm going to go to Dave. Good morning, Dave. Good morning, I've Dave. Got, I've planted a whole bunch of uh, wildflowers in the one section of, of in my backyard here. Yeah, yeah. Now, would I uh, pull them out in the spring, rake them all out in the springtime, or do it now? I would because they're mostly all perennials, and I was thinking about letting them dry out during the winter and then going to seed them. Yeah, I would leave everything until spring um, and then clean it up. Okay, then. That's all I wanted to know. And keep using 20-20-20 on them? Yep, next spring you can hit them again with that. That would be perfect. Yep. Okay, thank you very, very much. Awesome. Thanks, David. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. Yeah, when you're doing that, I'm still a big procrastinator gardener in the fall. Like you can tidy up a bit some branches if they're leaning over or or broken or hanging out. But for the most part, you want to do your cleanup in the spring. We let Mother Nature do its thing. They kind of die over itself. Let the perennials, all your lilies, all that foliage die on over top of the plants. Let them protect, hold the moisture. And also it's just great for um, holding any kind of – homes for for ladybugs and all the beneficial insects that are going to hide out in the garden and uh, will be there early spring to come out and uh, and get going before you clean up and then and just give, give that protection early on and yeah. I'm I'm just gonna we need to just take a quick break for the news you're listening to let's talk gardening on 770 chqr Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs, and I'm here with Terry Kemper. And if you'd like to join us, phone lines are wide open, 403-974-8255. And we're just going to – actually, we're going to go right to the phone. we got a couple of people waiting already, so we'll just go right to the phone lines. All right. Um, We're going to go to Peter. Good morning, Peter. 
Yes, good morning, Will. So, hey, how can we help you? Three quick little things. So I did the yep. tree thing yesterday with my golf ball retriever, which I never use, of course, and gave him a tap, and <laughs> a lot of snow came down on top of me. But, yeah, they spring back pretty quick. Yeah, it's just if it gets really – if it's on there for quite a while, um, it can start bending the tissue and kind of – and it'll stay that way. But, yeah, the sooner you get it off, the better – and once it warms up, there's still probably a little bit of ice on some of the leaves and things with some of the weight. So like Terry was saying, as it warms up, um, we should start seeing them come back up. But uh, they definitely need uh, they need a little assistance once in a while. So good on you for that. Peter. Oh, yeah, it worked well. So the question, I two questions I was going to ask you. Number one, is there any kind of special watering requirements for cactus family during the winter? Stop, um, stop giving them fertilizer yeah, you don't or... No, they're pretty good. Like they actually sometimes in January, February, I'll water them a little bit more because a lot of times in the desert, that's kind of their rainy season. Okay. So you'll get blooms. So I'll probably water them once a week or every couple weeks in the winter just to give them a little extra. And I, I, if they're small enough or depending on how big, I'll take them right into the sink and kind of just hose them down. Like sort of if you have one of those little nozzles, let yep. it hit the foliage and water right in really good. And uh, I give them a little bit more, but I never water them. I always let them dry out in between waterings. Yeah, I have one of those hydrometers that I picked up from you, and um, it's about two weeks, maybe a little bit more, that all of a sudden it's dry. Yeah, so anytime after that, you're good to water. But you might want to water a little bit more, like three or four times in a row if you do it once a week when there's a little bit of moisture left in there. And once we get into January, February, it possibly will trigger some uh, some blooming as well. So, so these are for things like the I got you know I got a couple of big jade plants and, and an aloe vera and yeah some other green yeah those thing. yeah those will bloom a bit. Like I've had a jade bloom on me a few times. They're not the most nice like they're not the nicest flowers, but they're more of a succulent. So I just treat those like a house plant. Like I. When they're dry, I water them. Can they go another two weeks? Absolutely. But I don't think it's necessary sometimes that we leave them dry out um, just because it's a cactus or just because it can go that long. I find every two weeks is is just perfect. I mean, going for for years. Absolutely. Uh, Last thing is, so this year I tried to resurrect a section of my lawn that got burnt the year before. How did it get burnt? Oh, just the the the, the, the sun got away. The, the the sun and the heat um, oh, just, just went ahead and yeah got a, got got ahead of my watering. But okay. what's happened is I've dug up some of the areas and it's it's a powdery soil. That's got yep. that got to be taken out or mixed up or rototilled or. Is there grass there? Is there enough to salvage? You think or is it? Yeah, there's grass there, but it's got like okay. pockets that are that are bare. So what I would do is this next spring, yeah. Um, first thing in the spring, I would hit it with a good heavy dose of our lawn fertilizer. That's I'd it. Give it a good, sh- give it a good shot of that, and then give it a few good waterings and let it start coming up green, and then top dress it with a little bit of topsoil, like go about an inch or so on top. Once it's already actively growing, and then you could top dress it with some seed at that time as well, and then just rake the grass seed in. And then water it a bit more, like sort of a little bit more than you would normally. And you'll be amazed at how fast that will just um, perk right back up and fill in. And uh, and just, but hit it with the fertilizer first and don't do anything else. Um, 
just first thing in the spring. Oh, you just saved me a few hard days work worth of work. Because <laughs> grass is actually pretty easy. And I love, uh, there's a friend of ours that uh, has a lawn care company in uh, Invermere. And on the back of his uh, hat, he goes, relax, it's just grass. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. All right. Take Have a good care. morning. Thanks, Peter. Bye-bye. Yeah. But it, I like that saying because grass, Terry, like it, it's it's one of those things that it can look like crap one day and a little bit of water, a little bit of food, and it reacts really quick. It'll come back and uh, rebound beautifully for you. And, yeah. You can let it go medium. dormant. Yeah. Absolutely. And even your grasses, like even some of the coral foresters and some if they get a little bit dry in your yard, like it's almost impossible to kill a coral forester or something like that. So it's pretty easy to to get those to rebound for you and uh, and then go from there, eh? Yeah, absolutely. Like I think of even uh, schoolyards too. Like you see uh, large areas of, of, of grass that just gets fried in the summer. But come next spring, it's a you know um, beautiful bright green. So yeah. uh, grass is pretty. You know, grass is pretty clever. It uh, will go dormant when in those periods of, of, of heat, um, and sort of just shuts down. And when the conditions are right, back it bounces right. Absolutely. But if you feed it, and again, most of the fertilizers, and that's why we created the Green It Up fertilizer, and uh, it it really feeds the roots. And in our soil with that heavy clay, um, you got to get, if you get the roots down a little deeper, it's going to become way more drought tolerant. And uh, so it, it's a great one. And it, it makes a big, big difference on your lawn and the oh, amount huge. of water that you're going to need. So yeah, huge um, difference with the green it up. Yeah, and we've done a bit of study of so next spring I might be adjusting a little bit, but not much. We're still going to keep with our formula for the most part, but uh, we're looking at maybe adjusting just a smidge. Um, played around with a couple things, so um, stay tuned and we'll see how that goes. Um, looking forward to, to that as well. And where are we at for time? I think I got time. I'm going to go to Phil. Good morning, Phil. Oh, no. Hi, Phil. How can we help you? Oh. Uh, yes, uh, it's Phil Crow. Um, I uh, took down a great big cottonwood tree about 30, at the base, it's probably about 36 inches. And oh, wow. anyway, typical of Alberta here, and I dug up the soil around it, but it's really hard clay, so I added a lot of compost. But come the summertime, when it starts drying out, it's just rock hard. So the company I dealt with said they were just going to dig the dirt out, haul it away, and bring new stuff in, which is probably a better way to go, but I hate to see the waste. So I'm wondering what I can do to to break up that clay. Uh, I've been putting compost on. <laughs> and and that, that's what you're doing is good, and you can use zeolite and, and some of the things. Or what are you going to use the soil for? Is Are you going to do lawn, or are you going to do a garden? or Garden. No, it's going to be a garden. Like veggie garden or flowers? Yeah. Flowers and, and veggies, yes. Okay. Yeah, then I would definitely I would look at building it up. Have you removed all the roots out of that big poplar? Yes. Yeah, we had a stump grinder in and ground okay. it all up. So, so there's there's still, still going to be a bunch of roots in there. So what I would really try to do is leave a lot of the soil, but I would try and get a machine in, a bobcat, 
with a good tooth bucket and just dig down around the area, the main area, and dig up a bunch because a lot of the roots will be on the surface, about six to 12 inches deep. And I would pull them up because they're going to just keep causing you grief over the years. So I would get some sort of machine. Even the stump grind goes down six, eight inches on the big stump, and they follow some of the roots. But chances are they probably miss some. So I would either get a good rototiller on the front of a bobcat or get a, a guy in there with a tooth bucket and just dig up around and remove all the all the tree roots as best as possible. And then I would start amending the soil after that. Because you're going to spend a bunch of time and you're going to start digging and you're going to hit the roots and then you're just going to, it'll cause a lot of frustration. Yeah. So this way, if you get rid of the frustration ahead of time, it's going to save you. Because um, then that way you're not going to be trampling over your all your new soil that you put in there. Okay. So you think compost with sand also? I've read some of the sand. Yeah, but you want to make sure you use the sharp sand because some of the sand... If you use the wrong kind, it can cause more harm than good, because you're you're almost creating like a concrete. Because a lot of the a lot of the sand is used for concrete, and oh, so when you okay. mix it in there, it makes your your soil harder. So okay. you got to use the sharp sand. I don't even mind sometimes if you're using it for garden is just that really small pea gravel. It works really good. Like even if you get into a five mil, something like that, and if you can get a small pea gravel in there, that works really good. But like I said, I'd spend a bit more time in the ground, remove a bunch of the roots, and then just get a good garden mix. Like get a get a dump truck, and I know we have it, and you get it from Eagle Lake or us. We have a we have a really nice garden mix, and a lot of it has the compost mixed in because you want to build it up probably six eight inches anyways. So I'd bring in a good good load of garden mix, dump that into the area you want to the garden, and that'll just give you a, a great head start. Okay, so you don't recommend – my neighbors had some construction sand there. I was putting in it, but you don't recommend that. Then Well, you, I don't know which kind it is, but if it's really no. porous and like little rocks, if it's really fine, some of it, if it kind of packs together, it it'll actually it makes it worse. It creates concrete in your soil. So, so just yeah. be careful what sand you use. All right? Yeah. Okay, no, great. Thank you very much, then. Thank you. Thanks, Phil. Take care. All right, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to – Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back. Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs, and I'm here with uh, Terry Kemper. Hey, Terry, I guess we just got a text here. Just came on from Carol. It says, good morning, Merle. I have massive grapevines. Do I cut them down for winter or leave them? What are your thoughts on the grapevines? Same sort of theory, or would you cut them back a bit? No, I would just leave them um, through the winter, um, see what kind of winter we have, and then um, come spring, inspect them and do any pruning that I need to do at that time. Yeah, it was interesting. I was at one of our clients that we we had done a landscape at a number of years ago, and uh, we have a little bit of repair and some stuff we we did like 10 or 12 years ago. But we had done a fruit wall, and they had uh, a bunch of grapes, um, but they weren't very big. <laughs> they, were, they had a lot of grapes on the vines, but they're um, in between, like, bigger than, I guess, like, a, what's, what's the round candy? Like a, like a M&M, <laughs> something like okay. that. So a little <laughs> bit bigger, um, smaller than a cherry, but still kind of neat to see uh, grapes on the vine. But uh, I think it'd be a little bit of squeezing if uh, going to try and do any kind of wine out of that. So 
maybe a couple of mini glasses. We did get a um, an, a text asking what type of Christmas trees we're going to have. We're going to have the Douglas fir this year. Um, found an awesome local supplier just at this west, um, and we're going to have um, gorgeous um, and they're nice and full Douglas fir. And again, there's a shortage and the cost and the freight um, bringing them in from the east, the Fraser furs are just, and I just don't like bringing the balsam fur. I just find they dry out too much and they're harder to get right now. Um, a lot of the farmers down east are getting out of the biz. So I'm going to just stick with the local again this year. We had some great ones last year. And I think we did an improvement this year on the ones that we found and uh, really looking forward to to working with this um, local farmer and gorgeous trees. So and we'll start getting those in typically around Grey Cup is when we is sort of our kickoff to our Christmas uh, tree season. And I know the ladies in the store and the guys and uh, the team there are just starting to to set up everything to do with Christmas in the next couple of weeks. So you'll start seeing all that. I know sometimes people think it's a little bit early, but if we were to wait till after Remembrance Day and stuff like that, we just wouldn't have the time to do it. It takes um, two to four weeks to get everything set up and to do all the great displays that they do. So, um, so we need to start now. So, and, uh, and then go from there and, uh, but definitely no disrespect <laughs> to the Remembrance Day and all that kind of stuff. Um, my dad was over there, so I'm very well aware of how it all happened. So anyways, we'll move on to some gardening, Terry. Um, what else would you recommend right now people out there doing, like it, as far as, I guess, a little bit of snow farming, anything else that you're going to try and get done before the before you button everything up? Bit of snow farming, yeah. Um, you had mentioned um, um, bulbs earlier, and I don't know if you want to touch on that now. But yeah, um, we could do that real quickly for sure. If you're reluctant Let's... to to get your bulbs, whether that's you know uh, tulips or daffodils or um, or even garlic, if you manage to grab a, uh, I know garlic's been in rather short supply in a lot of places. But if you've got any of those things, um, the ground is not frozen, so um, I take my. I'd take two shovels out with me. I'd take a snow shovel out, just dig the, the snow yeah. off the area that you're going to plant in. And then with your spade shovel, um, just grab a tarp, um, dig your hole, plant your bulbs, and it'll be a little... Uh, or better be yet, little, yeah, little sticky. have the shovel and then get the auger that you were bragging about. Or the I auger, we have yeah. the We have the bulb augers that you can just put right into your cordless drill and, uh, and just yeah. make short work of those bulbs. You just put your seven to seven holes in each section i kind of like to do groups of sevens or something like that drill seven holes put the bulbs in move to the Done. next ones yeah, yeah. and yeah uh, i think chris did um chris and lisa did a video on instagram of that and it's pretty slick um they're uh, they're such a time saver yeah uh i wish i'd I wish I had uh, invested in the, the auger that I have uh, years ago. Would have saved my wrist and, and a lot of aches and pains. But, um, yeah, super, super great tool. Well, and it's nice because it grinds the soil up a little bit. So it almost creates like a screened loam to work with after. So it, it's really nice for filling the back in. And it's nice for the plants to grow into that as well. So because it just adds a little bit of uh, nice soil, pack everything back in. 
doesn't leave the air pockets, makes it nice and easy for you to pack it in there nicely and help prevent any of that. We're going to take another quick break. And when we get back, we'll take your calls, 403-974-8255. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. We're going to go right to the phone lines. We're going to go to to Douglas. Good morning, Douglas. Good morning. Thank you for taking the call. Two quick questions. I've heard you talk about snow farming. I've got some, uh, I'm on the east side of Longview, and I've got okay. some long-needled, long-needled evergreens, and I've been watering them year-round, and my wife thinks I'm crazy. Uh, no. They probably love that, but actually, if, yeah, if you can pile some snow underneath those branches, they, they would love that because it's a uh, it's a good heavy wet snow, and uh, it'll just melt nice and slowly, get them frozen in for for winter time, and especially down where you are, it's been a dry as well, and you get a little bit of a wind going, and uh, so absolutely, I would uh, I would encourage as much snow farming as you can. Right, and uh, during the Chinooks, I've been watering. That's good, too. Yeah, you can definitely give them a shot of water. Um, do you have bark mulch underneath them, or is it just you let the needles fall down into sort of the natural forest floor? Uh, I just planted them in the loam, and I didn't do anything. I just yep. got holes okay. and plopped them in. Uh, okay. I, I have a little... Uh, dry we we call it a dry creek bed across one corner but of course if you go down there you know being the lowest elevation on the property if you go down with a shovel and dig in you know you do have some type of moisture pretty much all year uh i'm just wondering if a person planted tamaracks down in there any chance they'd be successful (laughs) yeah they actually they don't mind that down there a little bit moister they can take that but you have your pines where they like them up a little bit higher um they don't mind they can take the dryness um but they do appreciate the water and uh, are you seeing a bit of yellowing in the middle of them right now on my evergreens yeah uh well no but they will if i don't water they'll turn brown i've actually had one die yeah so yeah you will but if you get it in the center it's kind of just a natural thing i'm seeing a bit right now a bunch of my spruce trees just went through a pretty heavy shed and then when we had that heavy wind a few days ago it was just like like a shower of needles just (laughs) dropped on the sidewalk and and underneath them you could just see it like it was almost like a half inch thick just popped out of the tree so and that it goes pretty quick that way when they dry out the wind comes along and this sheds them out really quickly. So, um, no, I would just keep doing what you're doing. Give them some snow farm. Um, um, they'd love that. So, Thank you, sir. All right. Take care, Douglas. Thanks for calling. All right. Let's go to Larry. Good morning, Larry. Howdy, Merle. Hey, hey how can we help you? I wanted a, a bit of advice on something a little bit different that I haven't come across. I try to watch... I listen to your show every week, every Saturday, but I haven't seen this one. Uh, how, when would I start to plant by seed uh, a tree for the indoors? Like, a, well, for instance, an oriental maple. Okay, sort of like a Japanese maple or something yeah, like that? Yeah, 
Great. Um, well, first of all, I was just trying to get the seed. If you if you have one, and we'll pass this on to Terry. Um, have you have you tried or heard anybody doing the the Japanese maple, Terry? No. Uh, I from seed, I think would be a definite challenge. I've, I've not done it myself. Um, you're talking like for that you would have inside, like almost like just like, like as a bonsai tree, correct? That's exactly. I bought a package of six or seven seeds in it. It's a bonsai package. Yeah. Um, and now those seeds would need a period of cold. So do you know if those cold seeds are, are have been uh, pre-treated uh, for cold and are ready to plant? Yes, they are. They are? So, yeah. So I, I think uh, if, if that's the case, then you could probably uh, start them any time. Oh, yeah. Um, I'd um, pot them up. And uh, now they could be... Um, I'm not sure the exact uh, condition for a uh, period of, uh, of time for, uh, for germination. Oh, yeah. But what I would probably do is, um, how many seeds do you have? I have seven. Seven? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I'd have to do a little bit of research just to, to confirm exactly um, what they like for, for soil cover, but that should be easy enough information to find. And uh, do, you have, do you have lights? Do you have grow lights in your house? No, I, but I, I wanted to put them in front of a, a, um, a, a door, a window door, the uh, French door. But okay. I, I wanted some advice as to which side I keep them on the constant sun. So put them on the east side or take them out of the sun somewhat, but just beside I would, I would on the west probably. side of the window. Or yeah, I probably wouldn't put them in. Hey, um, guys, in... I'm just going to put you – we're just going to go on hold right here. We're just right at the end of the hour. we got to take a quick break because then we can go and we'll dive into this a little bit deeper because it takes a bit of uh, time to explain this. We'll finish that question off right after the break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs, and I'm here with Terry Kemper, and we're just answering uh, a question with Douglas about uh, – um, or is it, I think Douglas or Larry, I can't remember, sorry. Um, Larry, sorry, we're with Larry on uh, planting a bonsai seed. So let's get back to, to Terry and just sort of, where, so we're just, how, how long do you think it would take for that to germinate, Terry? I would expect probably a period of at least six to eight weeks before you would see anything. Um, it's not going to be like a, you know, like a typical annual, you poke it in the ground and seven to 10 days, it's, it's up. You're going to be several, several weeks, um, probably pushing two months, I think, before you'd see anything Okay. on that. So, yeah. Yeah. And I would, and I would keep it covered. Like if you don't have like even those clamshell, like if you get a strawberry, an old strawberry pack, you know, like with the clamshell, yeah. Yeah. the clear ones, those work really quite good, especially if you only have seven seeds. Um, you could fill that up with soil, get it fairly moist, plant it in there, and I would just bury it about a quarter of an inch or so. Oh, really? In, in, into the soil, and uh, keep it fairly moist and warm, and uh, and then go from there, and then see and see what it see how that goes. So, but or it, try half of them first. Yeah. And see see if that likes it. And do you have a heat mat or anything, or no. a way of to keep the roots a little bit warmer? No, um, but it's it's a it's a French door with okay. full window. Okay, so yeah, so it's just going to stay fairly warm. Oh yeah, yeah, just yeah, give that a try, and uh, and that should uh, definitely help out because if they're pre-vernalized, ready to go, then you should be good. Okay then. All right, very let good. us know. Keep us posted. Well, okay, thank you very much. 
All right. Thank okay. you. Okay. And Terry, I, I think I'd really like to get, I know we had them on from the Bonsai Society. Um, once we get a little bit deeper into winter, um, we'll get them on again. They were great. Um, lots of information from that Bonsai Society here in Calgary. Okay, let's go to Krista. Good morning, Krista. Good morning. How are you today? I'm doing good. How can we help you? Good. We have got a whole row of aspens in our backyard, and mm -hmm. they've been there for about, oh, 15 years. They're just beautiful. They're about 50, 65 feet tall. Oh, now wow. with the, yeah, they're just really, really nice trees. Now what we're running into is um, right coming out from the trunks, there is one especially huge root that's come up to the surface of our lawn. Mm -hmm. Now my husband would like to know if he cuts that off, like just like on a slant so we can get over it with the lawnmower and maybe build up some more dirt and grass up there, would that kill our tree? Um, most likely it, would, it, would, it, it probably would not. Like if you're just doing one, um, they're fairly resilient. But I would try mm -hmm. to build up the soil a bit and maybe like underneath the tree, re like remove the grass or just cover it with bark mulch. Yeah, that's like, just what we to have help. now. Okay, perfect. Mm -hmm, yeah, mm -hmm. so if you need to remove one, I um, I've done that in the past. Um, sometimes it just comes up in the wrong spot and you uh -huh. need to remove it. Um, for the most part, you should be totally fine. Okay. Okay, that and sounds good. Yeah, I would just do it, um, like I said, do it early spring. Early spring, and... okay. All right. Okay, you thank you good. very much. Okay, All bye. Right. Thanks, Krista. Yeah, you don't always want to do that kind of thing, Terry, but sometimes you got to adjust branches and uh, and roots. Sometimes they come up in the in the wrong spot and you need to help them along a bit and, uh, and it's better for them than 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 notching them or hitting them every week with the lawnmower and uh, leaving that wound exposed week on every week so sometimes you got to do what you got to do yeah exactly okay um let's go where are we at for time we're good let's go to glenn good morning glenn Tony Astrohead has got that scale, and it's had for three or four years now. And so I'm thinking of cutting it down. Is now mm -hmm. a good time to do it, or should I wait till spring? Is it? Um, it's lost all its leaves and everything. Well, they're not gone, but they're all yeah. browned. Yeah, yellow. I would. I would do it now. I would do a really good cleanup. I typically sometimes would, but if it has that scale really bad, there's going to be a ton of deadwood. I would just right. take it right down. And do a really, really good cleanup of it. And then maybe just after you're done, maybe just top dress it with some nice either bark mulch or soil back in underneath it. And uh, and just when you're done, like when it dries out to like get a leaf blower and blow everything out of the crevices in between the the trunks of all the all the ones that you cut off. And just okay. make sure you get a really good sharp saw, like a chainsaw if you're taking it down. And then go around after, if there's any tearing, just clean them up with a nice uh, set of loppers just okay. to make a bunch of clean cuts. And uh, and then you should be good to go. The next spring, um, get a good soaker hose, water them in really well, and then hit them with fertilizer a few times like the 2020-20. Um, will this get that thing going nicely? And you should get a, up to a two-foot hedge the first season, so you should be good. And is the scale going to be an ongoing issue? or? 
Um, yeah, and that's the next thing I was going to say about July. You probably want to spray it with, like, once you get a bunch of new growth. So about mid-July, early July, you want to give it a spray with Pure Spray Green. And I would do it sort of once a week um, for three weeks consecutively. And that's kind of when they're hatching. Like they start out as a fly, and they fly in, and then they they form that scale on there and then start sucking all the juices out. So, so. it's... Uh... Is pure spray green uh, insecticide? Yeah, it's a pharmaceutical grade mineral oil that we sell, and it works really good. It's a great fungicide, and it's a insecticide. Okay. And it's sort of what the, can the, I only get that in Calgary? Because I'm from up by Red Deer. Is there a store up here? Um, you might check. Some of the garden centers might have it up there. It's. I know it's been harder to get. Um. And if, if you have any horticultural supply places, they might have it for you. Okay. All right. And so you're saying three weeks in a row guys, or so? It. Yeah, I would do it three consecutive weeks. All, All right. right. Thank you. All right. Bye. Okay, take care. Thanks, Glenn. Yeah, that one's – and Terry, my, I know I'm just – I'm going to do a bit of a reno on my front yard. I just moved into a different place, and I have a – about a 10 foot hedge on each side of the walkway and it's just it's 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 not in great shape so i'm actually i'm going to take it right out because it's too close to the sidewalk and stuff it's too tight but you see that everywhere right like it's just uh it's a it's a nasty thing that's hit all of our hedge material here with the ketone asters in calgary and is it how is it in high river is it the same out that way too you see a lot of it oh it's there too yeah for sure um and you just see um, from down the street, you're walking in just these big um, empty sections in in the in the hedges. So the, the big thing is, you know, um, like you just touched on there. W once you've trimmed it and and sort of uh, done that hard prune on it, um, it's so important that you that you do follow up with that um, that treatment to because you've you've minimized. The, the, the damage, but the the critters are are still going to be present there to to continue on. So make sure you treat those um, that scale. Absolutely, yeah. yeah it's it, and it's nasty. And and if you if you've had enough of your Tony Aster, a um, couple of our favorite ones. Um, I'm a big fan of the Nine Bark as a hedge material. It loves being trimmed and shaped. Um, hydrangeas is is another one. What what else do you like in Terry for hedge? Uh, for hedge, um, I quite like uh, uh, some of the lilacs that are um, like dwarf yep. green is a, is a great one. Um, that one is is nice that you don't even have to uh, trim it. Um, there's a native uh, willow, the uh, powder face willow, gets yep. about three feet tall. It's a nice silvery uh, colored willow, uh, three feet tall, three feet wide. Um, it's an awesome. Um, Awesome, much underused shrub for us for for hedging. Yeah, um, just trying to think what else comes to mind. For... If you want to create that wall, I know I've I've recommended that sandbar willow to quite a few people. Um, it creates a, it's almost like a bamboo, but you need a lot of space. It can get about eight feet high fairly yeah. quickly. Um, you got a little, little it, room and uh, kind of a moist spot in your yard. Uh, willow would be would be great as a hedge. Yeah. Another thing is, even if you did a row of three um, Carl Foresters and then put even something every 10 or 15 feet, like an upright 
um, crab apple or or some sort of different tree along a property line would look yep. really nice as well. Upright juniper and then three rows of Carl Forrester. I just love those when they're planted in masses. It just gives you that. And in the eight months of the year when we don't have leaf cover, you still get that golden um, grass going in the wind. So um, yeah, they look it's, it's a great way to do it. Yeah. So anyways, let's go. Actually, we're going to take a quick break and we get back. We'll hit the phone lines again. Um, I think we have Darlene and Dwight on there. And if you'd like to join us, we have a few spots open. 403-974-8255. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. And Let's Talk Gardening is brought to you by Spruce It Up Calories Year-Round Full Service Garden Center. Spruce it up, green it up, prune it up. We got you covered. And I do have Kerry Kemper here with me, and he's uh, from down at the tree lot in the perennials down at Spruce it up. And uh, you're getting ready. To, uh, we're going to put everything to bed here in the next week or so. And yep. uh, we, we'll we had uh, tucked all, away all for winter. And, uh, yeah, it seems to work pretty good for us. So Yeah, uh, we had, our, had my son out there on the little mini hoe. Um, Derek, uh, dug you a bunch of trenches. So, and, yeah, uh, so you're, yeah, 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 you're ready to go and, uh, we'll be able to put everything to into bed there and, uh, put it for winter and it, it's worked out really well. And I know you've wintered even a lot of stuff that isn't supposed to like your Japanese maples and you just put them a little bit deeper into the ground and, and cover them right up, but you uncover them in the spring and they're, they're good to go. Yeah. They, they love it. Um, yeah. they kind of come out in the spring, um, sort of the, the bud swell while they're, while they're in that dormant state. Um, and, um, yeah, I've had good luck with, uh, Japanese maple. I've done figs. Um, we had to face some figs here a few years ago. Wintered one of those over. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Hybrid tea roses. Like, I think of all the hybrid teas we've done that to, we haven't ever lost one. Like, they just seem to really respond well to that treatment. Hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, what about any of the magnolia? Are you going to plant any of those just out without totally burying them? I know we brought in a few of those hardy magnolias. I'm kind of curious on those. Yeah, we have a few of those left. I could probably find a spot to, to poke one in the ground over winter. Should do a little experiment and try one in the ground and one outside. Um, they're zone four, so mm -hmm. uh, they should be just fine here. But, uh, yeah, maybe we'll do that. Maybe we'll... Uh, yeah, we should plant a few of those and see what they do for us. Yeah, see what they do for us. Awesome. All right, let's go to the phone line. Let's go to Darlene. Good morning, Darlene. Hello? Hi, Darlene. Uh, Darlene. Yeah, hi there. How can we help you? Okay. <clears throat> Did you get my text? Uh, I text of a golden elder. Of a which one? A golden elder. Um, I'm not too sure. I got quite a oh, few. I'll just take a look. Get it or not. Yeah, maybe tell us what's going on with it, and then we'll be able to. Okay, what happened? I I got it as a gift in 1999 when my daughter passed away, and this was a gift from her her uh, office workers. And uh, last year it didn't bloom, and um. I thought maybe a couple of little pieces came up, but we had sheep in the yard. I think they just ate everything down. But we dug it up, and it's just all in pieces, and it just looks like it's just 
it's had the biscuit, you know. But I found this little tiny piece that had some little white roots on it. Yeah. Can I say that? Um, I would give it a try. I would. I would. Elders are fairly resilient, and they don't mean to. Be, they don't mind to be cut back like that once in a while. So I would. I would take as much as you can salvage, put it into a into a hole, and and transplant it, and maybe even get a little bit of the Mike's product, some mycorrhiza into the soil with that. Um, the micro that would micro mycorrhiza. We have a product. It's called Mike's, and it stimulates root growth. Or even Rage Plus, if you have any of that, um, give it a shot now and then do it again in the springtime and uh, and try that. Rage Plus, it works wonders. So almost if anything can bring it back, um, let's give that a try. But put it in the ground, huh? Absolutely, yeah. You said it's a golden elder, right? Yeah. Yeah, right. absolutely. Get it in the ground as soon as you can here. Okay, so find some gold. Can I get range plus pretty much anywhere? Um, most garden centers, yep. Yeah. I know we have it down at Spruce It Up, and so I know some of the other garden centers carry it as well. Okay. You won't find All it right. in the I'll box try. stores, though. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you so Bye-bye. much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah, elders, Terry, I find they're actually pretty resilient. They, um, they, they do, and you can see them, they look pretty gnarly, and then if you cut them right down mm-hmm. to the ground, and they'll pop back up and sometimes look just awesome. So yeah, yeah, definitely a tough shrub and, and would respond well to to that that hard prune for sure. Okay, and I just had a um, <laughs> a text that I, I kind of like. She was a they had a uh, it looked like a it was a yucca, and she goes, "What can I do? I'm trying to kill this thing." Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it, 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 it just really looks like it's possibly too wet. They don't like to be too wet. Get it into the sunniest spot possible. And even just, um, I would transplant it because it could be into some saturated soil. So I'd pull it out and see if it's not rotten underneath there. I'd transplant those canes into some fresh soil, get them into a sunny spot, um, give them a shot of Rage Plus, um, or fifteen thirty fifteen, if you have something like that, something with a high middle number. But I would definitely get into some fresh, nice potting soil. And yuccas don't have huge roots. You'll be able to tell it'll have some nice little white roots underneath there if it's salvageable. But if you pop it to the ground and it's all gushy inside the soil, um, I would just consider it. It's probably done. Um, you could go up the cane and cut, like, from the top down. You could cut about a foot or two and dispose of the bottom part if it's rotten. And then you could stick that top piece into soil. And there's a really good chance that that would, uh, would come back and reroute itself and start a new propagation root system from that, from the top part. So you could also give that a try, but let's go to Dwight. Good morning, Dwight. Hey, happy Sunday guys. Hey, how are you? Hey, good morning. Good, good. You, Good, good. What's um, up today? Uh, just a quick question. Uh, my red ghost peppers did really well this summer, so I decided to overwinter them. Yeah. So I dug them out of the raised beds in the greenhouse, put them in pots, and then I trimmed off all the leaves and then the stem just above the node, like the the grow node. Yeah. 
I'm just wondering how much water they're going to need over the winter. Well, not a ton. Like they, and again, they like to be, and I, I'm not sure how that's going to work. I don't know if you've done that before at all, Dwight, but I find with peppers, once they kind of go through a one and done, like I know a lot of the guys that grow peppers, they just dispose of the plants and then just start with a new crop. Um, so, um, and similar to tomatoes, right? You know what I mean? Like they get to a certain yeah. point. Yeah, tomatoes, kinda... no, but I did, I did hear that you can overwinter peppers. Basically the plants that, they're they're getting a good start for next year because I, normally I start my seeds late January early February. Yeah, and so uh, you're, lo- you're looking to get a bit of a head start. Yeah, well, so I can and, get. And I know you're plant. set up with some lighting and stuff like that. So yeah, I yeah, would. No, uh, I, got, I got all that. Yeah, so I would just do that and then just set it up, dry out in between waterings, um, and as you know, that's the biggest thing over the winter time if we get everything too wet. Um, but I think other than that, I always, I almost have the same rule of thumb for all my plants. Let it dry in between watering and then water it. And I know some people like with cactus and things, oh, you can leave it for two months. But I'm always the type like just because it can go that long, it doesn't need to go that long. So you can maybe leave a, a, a cactus not a little bit longer or your sense of area or some of those succulents. But if they get a little bit more moisture, they're going to do better, right? Like they're not, you don't, like like I said, we can go a few days without eating, but you don't feel that good yeah. <laughs> on the fifth day. You're kind of, <laughs> you don't feel like doing much. So same with our plants. If we if we stress them out to the point where they're they're just suffering, just trying to stay alive instead of thriving, um, I think that's part of the problem. Okay. So, well, I, yeah. I'm going to give this a try, and I. I'll call you next spring. Yeah, like keep the... us posted. They keep sending us some pictures as you go along, Dwight. I always enjoy seeing your pics. Yeah, and, okay. Uh, yeah, I got, uh, I got, I got four of those cannabis plants on the go now. The, the gelatos, they're about a foot tall. So. Oh, nice. All right. Well, keep us posted on all that. Okay. Thanks, Dwight. Yeah. Enjoy Take your care. Sunday. Thank you. You as well. Um. Yeah, Dwight uh, does a little bit of growing of all kinds of different stuff. He dropped off a. Uh, like a 60 pound pumpkin for us this, this uh, about a couple of weeks ago that he got seeds from yours last year, Terry. Okay. So, yeah. So you dropped that one off there for us and we got to take a break for the news. You're listening to let's talk gardening on 770 CHQR. This is global news. It's 1030. I'm Christian Oldale. An autopsy has been scheduled for next week to determine if a suspicious death in the northeastern community of Rundle is the city's 22nd homicide this year. Police were called to the 100 block of Rundleson Way northeast shortly after midnight for reports of an assault. When officers arrived, they found a severely injured man who died at the scene. The Calgary Police Service Homicide Unit is now investigating the circumstances that led to the death. Anyone with information is urged to contact police. Alberta Premier Danielle Smith says pastors who violated COVID-19 health restrictions and people given fines for not wearing masks should be pardoned. Smith says she is seeking legal advice on whether she can scrub fines for non-criminal violations of COVID-19 health restrictions. Speaking at the UCP's annual general meeting, Smith also reiterated her promise to introduce changes to the Provincial Human Rights Act to to forbid discrimination based on COVID-19 vaccination status. Leader of the NDP, Rachel Notley, was in Calgary for her party's convention. Notley called out the provincial UCP for having the slowest wage growth in the country. 
As inflation continu- continues to hit Albertans' pockets hard, she told supporters that the NDP is listening. Notley also vowed to put a great cap on utilities' prices. There's new information about the death of RCMP Constable Shailen Yang in Burnaby, B.C. A police report reveals Yang was about to administer naloxone for a suspected overdose before a man emerged from a tent and stabbed her in the chest with a knife. The 31-year-old was with the park's employee when she saw an unresponsive man with his eyes closed and announced she'd be giving him the overdose-reversing medication. The report says the man threatened the park's employee and that he and Yang backed away and called for help, but that the man charged at the officer and stabbed her. Flurries today and a high of 1, a few clouds tonight dropping to minus 6, and a mix of sun and clouds with a high of 4 tomorrow. It's zero breaking news when it happens. Our next scheduled news at 11. I'm Christian Oldale. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs. I am here with Terry Kemper. We're going to go to the phone lines. And I just want to chat really quickly, though, before that. It's just about pruning and the maintenance. Because it was really interesting, um, uh, Mark and Luke and Conrad, a couple guys from our landscape division, and Mark from Prune It Up. We were down in Kentucky at a show, Terry. And mm-hmm. we're just so much on tree health. And they had uh, – and it was, it was really – they had these – um, three gals that were doing pruning arborist instruction. Um, and they, they're just doing a fabulous job and really trying to promote um, women getting into the arborist um, profession. And and these gals could trim up a tree like crazy. Like, they were awesome. Like, they did such good work. And then Mark also got to met, meet his hero. It was this other Mark guy. He's kind of – he's what, uh, sort of this world-renowned arborist in – he gets called in all around the world to take down trees when no one else can cut this thing down. This right. guy gets called in. And it's just so interesting. So many of the things that they were talking about is we just don't want to take trees down. We want to come in and prune your trees today, and we want to do it again in three years and again in three years. Like Just working with people, getting the structure, and whether your trees can withstand a storm like we just had because a, a tree that's properly pruned well structured it's going to be able to withstand a lot of these storms and different things that we get and uh, it was just really interesting just on the health and starting out when you get a young tree when they meet you in the tree lot cherry um, and they take them and plant it from then the next couple of years is the pruning shaping creating some structure and to, to, to make it a nice healthy so when it is 20 feet high it's going to stand nice and strong in your backyard and, and not be flopping all over the place and be a mess for you so it, yeah, it's, just, it's really interesting yeah and that's, that's a good way of thinking about them too as an investment right so it's not just absolutely a, a, you know i spent a couple hundred dollars you know on this tree you know 20 years ago but you know um if you look at it as an investment and you do right by it with, you know, good water, good fertilizing and regular pruning on it, you know, that $200 tree in 15, 20 years becomes a, you know, if you had to replace that, um, probably has a value in the thousands of dollars. So it's worth it to spend a few hundred dollars um, every few years to make sure that it it gets there and, and will, you know, I guess come to a fruition of what it's, you know, what's possible for that. When we do those uh, um, insurance appraisals and stuff, when trees get hit by cars or get knocked over or something, like they're in the thousands of dollars, like twenty, oh, thirty thousand yeah. sometimes. Huge. 
for these large trees. And and they become dangerous. I got a couple of pictures from a friend of mine yesterday. He had a big ash in his front yard, and it fell on his truck. It was a city tree, and and it just made a mess and landed on his truck and all over his front yard. And we really can't go in and, and clean that up. It's a city tree. We can assist. But then um, that's sometimes why I harp on on the maintenance and the maintenance of our city trees because as they grow – um, they're going to be even messier. Like it's going to be a bigger nightmare in 15 years if we don't get our uh, our uh, our game in shape on our tree care in the city because um, it, it just really needs it as they grow. The ones that will survive <laughs> just are going to be in such rough shape that it, it it's going to be messy. So, anyways, just it was it's just really good to see and just super proud of Mark and the, and the printed up team just on on listening to um, their practices and and we're not just to come in and whack and hack your tree. It's about structure. It's about health. Prolonging the life of your tree, not just coming in to give it a haircut because people think that, well, I spent that much. I need to have it look like it got a haircut. Yeah. And, <laughs> and and a good pruning job really shouldn't look like a, a lot of times you can't even tell it, but it's cleaned out the say. structure. Yeah, nice clean cuts. You clean out the center, and uh, if you're if you get a tree and it looks like you got a it got a big haircut, that's not a good job. So no, uh, just you probably had the wrong know. guys out for the job if, if that's the case. Yeah, they got a chainsaw, and a pickup truck, and a ladder, <laughs> and uh, I'm going to be a arborist and, <laughs> and uh, fire up that chainsaw and away they go so, we go <laughs> yeah and it's just and it's so much about safety i know mark trains all our guys there's lots of safety involved and uh and he's and he's strict on that and it was just really seeing these young ladies teaching the the arborist courses down at this at the show down in kentucky it was just you just see how fast something can happen and it really made me appreciate even that much more the work that our those guys are doing out there and it's uh it's a hard game they're up 20 feet up in the air and those branches are coming flying down and and they have ropes and things holding them up there it's uh it's a, it's an important uh thing to do it right so so good job to our pruned up team proud of you guys and uh keep up the good work let's go to and i believe we're at trevor good morning trevor good morning Hey, how can I help you? Uh, we just had uh, your team from Pruning Up come out and do some pruning. It was on a hot wing maple that's about four years old. It was the first pruning it, it, it was done. Yeah. Uh, did a fantastic job. But awesome. then with this heavy snow that we had, we had a pretty substantial branch on it break that we lost now about a third of the canopy of the tree. Yeah, Is the maples are that unfortunate. Can be done with this? Yeah. What? So if it just happened yesterday, and yeah, and I would just—is there a way you can just send me a quick picture? I would just if you can if you fold it back up, does it seem to seal up really tight, okay. or is it kind really? of shredded? Um, it's it's hanging on by a bit of the bark, so okay. I haven't lifted that branch yet. It's still on the ground. Okay. So if you can see if you can pull it back up, and 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 get some zip ties. And okay. and see if you can get a really good seal on it. Um, just zip tie it, put a bunch of zip ties around it, and get a product called Lac Balsam, and and try and seal it up. Because how big a tree is it right now? 
Uh, overall height is probably maybe 15 feet at the most. Okay. Okay. So it's probably a fairly heavy branch. So you might not be able yeah, to well, do it if you're saying a third. Yeah, it might be a little bit tough to do that. Yeah. And, and Mark might be able to, to do something um, if you send him a quick note and see if you can have a look at it. But maybe see if you could stabilize that, get it up. Um, they might be able to bolt it. But if it sounds like it's just hanging on, it might be a little bit too far gone. And Okay, and it so if I have properly. to cut it off, is there anything that I need to put on, I guess, no, fresh? No, they just got a heel over right now, okay. and they should still be fine. Um, obviously, you have no choice anyways. But, yeah, <laughs> just a nice clean cut. And, uh, and, and then after, if you're not too sure, let Mark know, and then I'm sure he can stop by and, and see if he can clean it up or if it needs something else. If you want to okay. send me a quick picture of it to the to the same phone number, I'll have a look sure. at it, and I'll pass it on to Mark. Okay, great. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Yeah, sad to hear that that didn't get time to firm up or they get a little bit bigger, but I know with this heavy snow and they still have leaves on um, and, the, and the maples and some of those, they'll just snap right off. And it's 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 hard on them. It's crazy. Let's yeah, go. Yeah. All right. I think we got to take a break, don't we, Renee? Okay. Yeah, we're gonna take a quick break. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm gonna go right to the phone line. We're gonna go to uh, Mary. Good morning, Mary. Oh, good morning. Hi. How can we help you? take on granular gypsum um i think it's great it works um really well for um breaking up the soil and 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 just helping with breaking up clay and would you use it especially on the lawn and the garden um you can definitely mix it into your soil um, it'll, it'll, you got really heavy, so like heavy clay soil. And what about lawn? Um, yeah, you can mix it in, into the lawn. It's not going to do as much. Uh, you might need to top dress your soil if you have really, if, if your grass is really hard. Um, so you want to do that in the spring after you fertilize, let the grass get growing a bit. And then you could just top dress the whole soil, like to add enough in there. It, it's not gonna. It's not gonna do a lot with the for for your lawn. And and you would mix in the uh, 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 the gypsum in with it. Yeah, mix that in right with your soil. And it would break, go into the grass, and yeah, and, and the it garden would help break and, up the soil and yeah. break up the soil. It will definitely help. Um, if it's really hard, you're going to need a bit more. I would add some more organic matter. Hey, Terry, what else would you like to see um, Mary adding to her soil to help with this? Um, yeah, some zeolite. Anytime you um, are looking to improve soil, I always recommend um, adding any kind of organic component, whether that's you know uh, compost or sea soil. Um, just keep in mind you want to keep the percentages in about that 30% mark. You don't want to get too carried away. But, um, yeah, that would probably be uh, 
But I what heard our, uh, uh, gypsum is really good in breaking down the soil and making it a little more porous. Yeah, definitely is. But uh, I'm always nervous just to, you know, to go at soil with, you know, um, you know, high concentrations of things. Like we'll get some people that'll, you know, come in and they want to add iron to their soil and just, you know, um, I think if you just, you know, um, don't get too carried away with, with what you're adding in there and just adding in modest, modest amounts, you aren't going to upset that, that dynamic of that soil too, too much. Yeah. Uh, nothing worse than, than going overkill on something and then having to reverse what you've done. So I would probably go with the, the route of um, a little bit, but do it, you know, consistently. Maybe don't do it all at once. Oh, do, so do, do the gypsum, uh, 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 say, two, three times a year, a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I think that way you're, you're, you're not going too crazy with, you know, trying to adjust something all at once. Yeah. Uh, and allowing – now, is this, is this soil that's open? Huh? Or is this, so this soil, is it, is it just – is there anything growing on top of this soil right now? Well, it's a lawn, and they aerated it. Okay. But, uh, you know, the lawn is uh, old and hard. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's, that's the route I would go, is I would just – And what it. about zeolite? Can you add zeolite to that? Absolutely, yep. So that's good stuff too. Yeah, zeolite is it's great stuff to to throw in there as well to help with that. Okay, well, thank you. All right. Bye. Thanks, Mary. Yeah, it's a and and it's something that Terry, I I really like adding a lot of this stuff in the fall. Like if you want to turn over your beds right now, leave them lumpy. You want to add some of the compost, the sea soil. Do it all now, and it also helps protect a lot of your perennials, um, and it'll start absorbing into the soil. And then first thing in the spring, you can just cultivate, break it up a bit, break it into the soil, and the work's already done for you. So um, right now is a great time to amend your soil, especially after this moisture. Um, very beneficial. Yeah, very much so. All right. We got to take a break. You're listening to... Let's talk gardening on 770 CHQR. Welcome back to Let's Talk Gardening. I'm Earl Coombs. Going to go right to the phone line. We got Pierre. Good morning, Pierre. Hey, good morning. How are you today? I'm doing great. How can we help you? Um, I was given a bunch of beautiful agapentus. They're almost three feet in diameter. Um, okay. And I'd love to have them overwinter this winter, but I'm not quite sure how to go about it. So they were just dug out from somebody's house and they're going away and they just gave them to me so i wasn't quite sure what to do do you have a spot where you can plant them in um i could bring them in the house in a pot for sure um but i don't have tons of light okay um yeah so uh, so what are they doing right are they just kind of limpy right now or are they in a pot or how do you no they're in a big root ball inside of a garbage bag and um yeah like they've been in the garage for a week 10 days and they look pretty good like they they were full of blooms i cut the blooms off um but the leaves are all looking good and the garage is, is at about 10 degrees right now okay hey terry what would you do with that so agapanthus is a perennial but not for us here it's in the, you know probably zone seven zone eight so um i think you're you're i would probably do a try and see i would bring them inside i would treat it as a house plant through the winter uh you said you don't have tons of light so 
Um, the biggest thing will be giving them, um, do you have a, a spot in your house that's maybe a little bit cooler, a room you keep a little bit cooler? Yeah, you could we keep them that. as a cool house plants. Yeah, we could do that. Yeah, I, w- I would do that. So I'd get them uh, out of those garbage bags uh, into a pot, into some decent uh, potting soil. Um, and then uh, I wouldn't go too crazy uh, with um, with any um, fertilizer on them through winter. Um, just try and nurse them through the winter, like I say, as a houseplant, uh, in a cool, as bright as possible spot. And okay. then as and if they if they do make it through um, the winter, which they should, um, then I would probably start introducing that um, that fertilizer, probably the start of uh, um, that you know mid April, um, beginning of May, using okay. probably like a, a high middle number fertilizer, so like fifteen thirty fifteen, something that's going to promote the flowering um, on that. And would it help if I put a light on them um, for, like, if I went and bought a grow light and tried to nurse them with that? Um, they're going to they're gonna use that. I probably wouldn't uh, start the lights until spring. Um, try and get as bright a spot as possible in your home, as bright and as cool a spot as possible, uh, because they are going to use that this period. Um, they are perennial, so not perennial to us, but they're going to use this time to sort of reset themselves, and they're going to want that period of uh, so-called dormancy. Um, they'll be looking for that light come spring um, more than they would be now. Yeah, okay. And you could even try the very similar to an amaryllis in that. You could even just, like, like let them do their thing. Let them just kind of, if, if you have a fair bit of it, try both methods. Try potting some up like Terry just explained. And then try maybe half where just let them dry right out, um, cut the foliage off after they've dried off, let all that energy go back into the rhizomes, and then just store them in a cool, dark place, like in a, in a, in a cardboard box with a little bit of dry potting soil, really dry potting soil, and then just store them in, in your coolest, darkest spot until early spring, bring them up, cut them back, and then pot up the rhizomes um, in the spring, and then see what they do as well. So the same way you would do cannas? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, Give thank you so much. All right. Good luck with that. Thanks, Thanks. Pierre. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Um, and let's go. We have time for one more caller. We're going to go to Laverne. Good morning, Laverne. Good morning. Hi. How can well, we help you? Well, I hope you can help us. We've got Mark slated to come out here and do some pruning on our huge poplars, but also a very large elm. And the elm still has leaves on it. And unfortunately, we had a very large piece of wild well, branch come off it. And it's sitting on our garage roof at the moment, and it just peeled right off. And we're wondering, should we have Mark come out? Yeah, yeah I would uh, call him a bit earlier, let him know. He's going to try and prioritize any of the emergencies. And that one's, if it's laying on your house, that would definitely jump it up. Um, so I would I would definitely send him an email, respond back to him, and just let him know that you're, you're on your schedule, but let him know what had happened. And, uh, and then he'll reassess that and get you back in the queue probably sooner. How do we get hold of Mark? We have difficulty getting hold of him. Katie sent us an email, but she didn't send us. Um, yeah, Mark. Um, yeah, okay. His if you if you if you just send it right to Katie, she'll get you in hooked up with him. 
Um, but she, she didn't leave us that, um, a okay. way of communicating uh, with if her. If you go to prune it up, if you just go prune it up at S-I-U-G-C dot C-A. S-I-U-G-A. G-C dot C-A. G-C-A, okay. Oh, G-C-A. okay. Yeah, spruce it up garden center dot ca. Oh, okay. Dot ca. Is, and a phone number. Can... Yeah. Yeah. Phone number. Four zero three. Yes. Um, five three two twenty five hundred. Twenty five hundred. Okay. Okay. It's a sorry looking mess out there. I'll tell you. Yeah, you can, uh, and you can either text or give him a quick shout, and uh, okay. he'll get you fixed up. Thanks very much, Mom. Thank Appreciate you. It. Thanks, okay. Laverne. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Yeah, that's uh, especially the big elm. We wait this long because we can't prune them in the summer. And then I know Mark has a whole elm list of trees that he's got to get in and uh, and get going. Just like us, Terry. Sorry, we got to go again. End of the show here. And uh, Yeah, thanks again. And we'll get our garden on right here on 770 CHQR.